stats, booms, busts, sleepers. Listen to Adam and Vincent with Fantasy Pandemic on Monday and Thursday evenings via Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow them on Twitter at Fantasy Pandemic, at Fantasy Cajun, and at FF Little Finger. Welcome to the second edition of the Fantasy Pandemic Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Adam Bryce. Uh, my co-host, Vincent Hargrave, has joined me today. Uh, we're going to go ahead and just go ahead and get started, guys. Uh, first, uh, if you don't mind, if you're uh, listening, uh, go ahead and get on Twitter and give us a follow at Fantasy Pandemic. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Any opinions you got? Uh, any comments? And we'll go Can't ahead and wait get for started. a question section. Can't wait for a question section. Well, let's see if we can get uh, get big enough there and uh, get a get a following before we can get those questions. But hey, it, I think it'll come sooner than rather later. Hopefully, uh, who knows? Maybe so. Um, well, let's get started, guys. Um, so uh, we'll pick up where we left off yesterday. We'll start at the NFC South. Um, let's go ahead and uh, bring up the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you know, big move for them. Austin Hooper out. Hayden Hurst in. Uh, we'll get to Hooper here in a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> Hayden Hurst, though, uh, you know, he's from South Carolina. He had really was really good in college. Uh, very talented, very big, athletic. Uh, can very, very good route runner going down the field. Uh, he was a little often injury uh, injury prone over at Baltimore, uh, but now he gets a fresh start over in Atlanta with Matt Ryan. Uh, what you think about that, Vincent? I think I, I think it's a good get. I think. Uh... We'll talk about Hooper, I guess, when we get to Cleveland, which is crazy, crazy. But uh, I think um, I think it's good for Hayden. I think he is an early injury-prone type of person that doesn't necessarily restrict him. I don't know if he's injury-prone or he's just been hurt. And, you know, it's tough to – a career dictates that, not just, you know, the first couple seasons. So I think he can do what Hooper did for them. I think it's really big for Calvin Ridley. Um Saw some stats today. The the numbers of Ridley's games when Hooper was out were significantly better, um, being that guy across the middle, that uh, catch guy. So PPR-wise, I think that's going to be good. I think Hayden Hurst is a good tight end. I think Andrews just being healthy, getting that connection with Jackson, really just took over, made him expendable. And I think it's a good trade for both teams. So I think it's going to be – I don't know if it's going to be fantasy beneficial. I don't know if he's a top – he's not – I don't think he can do – what Hooper did this year, but I don't think anybody thought Hooper could do what he did this year either. So, well, Hooper, I always thought was Mr. Garbage time production. You know, uh, Atlanta was always trailing uh, last season and Hooper was always, always the beneficiary. Uh, you know, you talked about Calvin Ridley and, and his talent and his uh, ascend to the top. Uh, I think he's going to score more touchdowns than Julio Jones this year. Um, I, I think Julio is getting up there in age. I think it's kind of time to pass the torch a little bit to Calvin Ridley. Uh, I think with Calvin Ridley, uh, as talented as he is, uh, you know, he's shown you know lots of flashes over the past couple of years. I think he takes that next step this year, and uh, he will catch more touchdowns than Julio Jones this year. I, I do believe so. You know, the other so you're, you're that, expecting you're expecting the Roddy White Julio switch. You know, similar to how when Julio came in, you're. I mean, it probably took Ridley a little longer, but he wasn't the talent that Julio was. But either way, they're going to be a force, and Ryan should put up numbers if they can keep him upright. Yeah, no doubt about it. They they got to address some offensive line issues. And then obviously, you know, a big question mark now is, well, they cut Devontae Freeman, you know, and you've got uh, Brian Hill and Ito Smith back there. And that's just not going to cut it in the NFC South. I know that, you know, you have some running backs out there lurking. Uh, Todd Gurley was just cut today by the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Boom goes you know, the dynamite. You know, Gurley is from Georgia. I expect the land to be on the phone. They're probably already on the phone with him now, uh, trying to get him in for a visit and uh, maybe get their uh, get the medicals on him and take a look at him. Uh, obviously, that's the big question mark with Gurley. Yeah, I was going to come back around to that, too, uh, with that running back spot, because with Hooper going and with Freeman going and not having the caliber person like Coleman, who was there previously to back him up, they have a lot of that short catch radius to really like wreak havoc and somebody can score a lot of points. And that's the type of place where, especially if it is Gurley, um, who you don't have to run him down the middle. You could get him in space. His knees don't have to take the beating. You're not just between the tackles over and over 20 touches a game. You can spare him through the year and get what you can out of him because you have Ridley and Julio and, you know, whatever other pieces they bring in. I still think they bring in a running back. I, I agree with you. The running backs they had, 
you know, can be on an XFL roster if they weren't owned by the Falcons. <laughs> so it's um, who they bring in there. But if they don't bring in Gurley and if they bring in a rookie and depending on who that rookie is, um, Hayden Hurst could have a, a really good year. You know, who also rings a bell, you talk about rookies, is DeAndre Swift. He's from Georgia. He's probably one of the number one running backs on the board. Uh, he would probably be a good fit with the Falcons. No, uh, he, we'll, you're right there for sure. We'll definitely see what happens with uh, moving on, uh, you know, over to Carolina, looking at uh, Cam Newton out, uh, Teddy Bridgewater in, three years, $63 million, a uh, whole new regime over at Carolina. Matt Rule comes in from Baylor. He had Baylor playing, you know, off the chain as far as they've, as far as they've been playing. Uh, I think that they're undefeated last year going into the last few games of the season. Uh, then you bring in Joe Brady, who was the number one offensive line in college football last year. He led record offenses over at LSU with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and company. So Joe Brady comes in as the offensive coordinator, young mind, uh, 30 years old, under 30. And now you pair him with Matt Rule and Teddy Bridgewater, three years, 63 million, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, uh, and then you've got Ian Thomas stepping up. Uh, Greg Olson is no longer in the picture. I mean, you got a wide open offense there. No, no doubt. And, uh, you know, having Olson out, um, uh, you know, definitely opens up for the receivers. If uh, the, the question is going to be is can Teddy support that many people? Because Michael Thomas got his and Jared Cook did okay when Teddy subbed in for the Saints those five and a half games, five and almost six games. But, you hope that the scheme helps Teddy and Teddy's always well prepared. He's a very, he's an above average game manager. Like I don't mean to like throw him into that Dilfer mindset. Like he can still move the ball. He can still move a little bit. Um, I'm really interested to see. I mean, they had so much success, you know, with McCaffrey too, and how much he accounted for. Surely that's going to come back down a little bit. Um, but it, it's really interesting, uh, you know, cause I was a big Curtis Samuel guy. Teddy's not the big deep guy. But I would hope some of that rule and Brady influence, even if it's run the ball, crossing route, crossing route, dink and dunk to set up the big play. You know, they have guys that can take it over the top. Um, and, you know, you got a younger tight end. You have skilled receivers. you got a young, good running back. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and to my comment yesterday, Cam Newton technically is on the roster. So Drew Brees is the only non-MVP in the NFC South. So <laughs> technically, I'm still correct. <laughs> Well, you know, we'll get to Drew Brees here in just a second. I, you know, I was a DJ Moore person, and I'd be honest with you, I, I'm a little skeptical about Teddy Bridgewater taking over at uh, the Carolina Panthers. You know, one thing about New Orleans when Teddy Bridgewater stepped in is New Orleans is a very good football team. They're good in all phases. They're good at the on the D line. They're good at linebacker. They're good everywhere on the football. They they don't have to be. They didn't have to be great at quarterback to win last season. And you know, while Teddy Bridgewater did play great. You know, now he's moving over to Carolina with a, a lot of younger pieces. You have a lot less leadership. You have a new coach. You have a new offensive coordinator. Everything's new. So we'll see what happens with Carolina. Um, uh, I'm, I'm still on the fence with Teddy Bridgewater. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, moving on to the and Saints. And I'll say this. Right. Go ahead. Wait, it's going to come up, I'm sure, throughout this and throughout the like, – I, I, it's like I think college coaches are a double-edged sword. I think you can have the Chip Kelly phenomenon where there's a year in and they could be really successful. So I think Rule and Brady, if they are going to be successful offensively, it will be this year because eventually the tape catches up with you. Same thing happened, you know, Lamar Jackson when he had to play San Diego twice uh, two years ago in the playoffs. You know, when tape gets out on anybody, you know, these guys are professional. These guys are really good. I think the opportunity to score, the whole we need to learn the scheme, we need to get into it, that doesn't work. That's, you know, go, talking about Arizona – if they wouldn't have made the moves they made, I would be more skeptical. You would hurt, hope Kyler would step up. Um, but with a veteran quarterback who can understand a pro system with some rookie coaches, I think the scheme has an opportunity to get fast early if they can get going, if you know what I mean. As opposed to, you know, a, a lot of times I think they tried to be too tricky in the desert last year. And they, they talked about in the preseason they didn't want to run their offense. Well, they didn't practice it. So it's going to be really interesting. It could go – a whole lot of different ways. Um, I think I'm not as nervous about DJ Moore because I think Teddy could Michael Thomas him. You know, if he could establish himself in practice and get a rapport with Teddy, they can he could get, you know, 10, 12, 15 targets a game because there's not that true alpha receiver and there's not Olsen demanding a presence. Now there is McCaffrey, so there is a balance, but 
you know, we'll see. They've they've lost a lot of pieces. They are rebuilding, so that defense may not be as good and may give up a few more points because they don't have that leadership, like you said. Um, and they're not exactly the most defensive-minded people coming in. So hopefully we get some shootouts because um, bad defense always leads to good fantasy. <laughs> no doubt about that. And, you know, you've got some wide-open offenses in the South, you know, especially with Tampa. Uh, you know, we talked about them yesterday, you know, with Tom Brady. Uh, now, you know, moving on to the Saints, uh, Drew Brees resigns for two more years. Uh, another year of probably big stats for Drew Brees. Michael Thomas, probably number one receiver in football right now, number one receiver in PPR on the board, I, I, I suspect. Um, I expect big numbers from both of them again. Uh, big question mark, in my opinion, though. And what's been holding the Saints back for, you know, going on three seasons now is there is not another receiver opposite of Michael Thomas. Traquan Smith has not been the answer. Ted Ginn has not been the answer. Keith Kirkwood was not the answer. So who steps up? Does, does the Saints look in free agency? Maybe it's someone like an Emmanuel Sanders or Robbie Anderson, or they pick someone up in the draft, like maybe Justin Jefferson, uh, maybe someone like a CB Lamb falls to him, maybe a T Higgins. Uh, you know, there's there's a wide variety of ways they can go here, uh, but that that is definitely one of the weaknesses, and that's gonna that's gonna hold the Saints back if they don't address it this uh, this coming up offseason. To answer all your questions, the possible options, yes. They could do any of that, and I think they may do all of that. I personally, I'm a big Robbie Anderson guy. I would love if they could get Robbie because he is what they need. He is a young Ted Ginn that can catch better, um, but he doesn't have the motor, the uh, not the necessarily the speed comparison. But he doesn't have that. You see, Teddy taking. I mean, uh, Robbie takes a whole lot of plays off. He's a late. Are you worried? Player. Are you worried about Robbie Anderson uh, taking off the first two months of the season like he has the past oh, three or four seasons? Exactly, but I think. You know, you, it, it's hard to go against. A, it, it's very easy to say somebody is a lazy football player when he's around really bad football teams. Like it is hard to get up week in and week out when you're eliminated week six. Yeah, let's be honest. The, the Jets are awful. Not, they're not the toughest mindset. You know, receivers aren't known for not most receivers and the stereotypical ones. The the speed guys aren't the tough guys. They're you know they're not the grinders that you would expect. So either way, Saints can't afford him. I think they definitely go to the draft. Um, but we got to see. I agree. Somebody else has to step up. You know, they said Alvin was playing. You know, Kamara was playing with one leg majority of the season. He's supposedly healthy. He realistically is the number two receiver. Cook is a number three. Uh, he could give you something. And speaking of Keith Kirkwood, he's with your boy Teddy now, practice squad heroes. Um, you know, the, what would have been the future of the Saints? He's over at Carolina. So, yeah, we don't even have that. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, now, I, I am high on Jared Cook. Uh, you know, Cook really came on towards the middle of the end of the last season. He had got injured in that Seattle game where he had almost scored a touchdown. And then uh, he was out for a few games. And then once he came back, you know, uh, Drew Brees was constantly looking for him in the end zone. They, they, they found each other quite a few times, including uh, championship week. He found him twice for two touchdowns. Really uh, helped propel me to a fantasy championship. You know, I, I can attest to Alvin Kamara being hurt. Uh, most of the season because he was one of my keepers in one of my leagues and he was constantly putting up fantasy RB two numbers. He was never, you know, that lock, that rock solid RB one that he had been. Uh, he was constantly struggling. It really wasn't until week 17 against the Carolina or week 16 against the Carolina Panthers that he really stepped up and scored a couple touchdowns. I think it was his first two touchdowns since scoring since about week one or week two of last season. So, you know, yeah, I'm going uh, to voice a very unpopular opinion. Some of the problem is not the system. Previously, you could always blame, well, they only need Michael Thomas because Ingram and Kamara running it. You know, expected it this year. They only need Michael Thomas, maybe Cook, because Kamara and Latavius would be able to handle the load. Well, injuries happen, schemes change. Drew Brees has lost a step or lost a, a degree on his arm rotation. I mean, you can see the difference when he throws a ball and Taysom throws a ball in the same game. It is a completely different deep ball with completely different velocity. Uh, velocity. I think it's partially on Drew in the sense that I think he gets comfortable. I don't know if he has the arm strength anymore to completely threaten the field consistently. I think they could draw up a play and he can let one loose, but I don't, I mean, he underthrows Ted Ginn all the time. Like, and it's, it's, it's very frustrating, you know, as a fan, especially as we are the saints to watch that week in and week out. You know, I don't know if he can really, unless you get somebody like a Justin Jefferson, you know, a smooth route runner, cross the middle, 
and really just beat people like that and try to catch somebody over the top. So I think it's a combination between the scheme and what the scheme has evolved around because of where Breeze is in his career. So hopefully we get two more good years for fantasy perspectives and a lot of shootouts. Uh, Dome helps a whole lot. I, they need a number. They need a real number two. I agree. They've never been able to develop one. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, they've struck out on a few receivers. Uh, we will see what happens. Uh, and I do agree with you on Drew Brees, and I think his arm strength has fallen off, which is why uh, it would kind of scare me to bring Robbie Anderson in because I don't, I don't, I'm not sure we would be able to maximize his abilities uh, deep down the field. So, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, uh, we got a few more days left of free agency here. Um, hopefully we'll see if the Saints bring somebody in. Uh, moving on to the NFC East, um, you know, we got the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they re-signed Amari Cooper, five years, $100 million. Blake Jarwin uh, steps up for Jason Witten, who's off to Las Vegas. Um, that's, a, that's a questionable sign altogether right there. We'll get to that uh, here in a little bit. And then uh, out with Randall Cobb. And uh, Dak Prescott uh, gets franchised. Uh, great offense. Lose Byron Jones on defense. Uh, they haven't really added anything uh, besides Amari Cooper. I feel like they're missing out uh, on that third receiver. You know, Michael Gallup's there who had a really great season last year. I expect big things out of Michael Gallup this year. Uh, obviously, Zeke Elliott, one of the top five running backs in the league, uh, constantly need to be he constantly needs to be fed. Uh, as, you know, as long as they stay healthy, that offense is always going to be humming uh, the way they've got it set up right now. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, Jerry thought they could win it all last year, and he mortgages the farm or oil field or whatever he mortgages in order <laughs> to sign Zeke. And Gurley got cut today, like with that monster contract. That's why you don't give those guys that money because they're one hit away. Uh, it's very, it, it's it's a different look. I'm not a Cowboys guy, so I think that all the worst things that happen to him, so be it. But it's amazing because they do have guys that want to be there. Amari took a pay cut to stay in Dallas because apparently the Redskins were offering him Julio money. Like he was going to be the guy, and he still chose him. I mean, he's making $100 million, so I think it's all relative at that point. But I think he knows his role. I think he knows his quarterback. Uh, there's a comfort there. You know, playing in Jerry's world is a whole lot better than playing on a, you know, injury careering, career ending field. So I agree with you. Gallup's going to be uh, a Ridley S situation. I think he's ready to take that big jump. Not like he's been kind of creeping up. I think he can make a leap. He can be a true number two, not on the field, but a fantasy number two receiver easily, especially the way Dak's been performing, especially they keep feeding Zeke. Um, I'm interested in Jarwin in the sense that is Dak going to keep checking down when it's not wit? That's my only concern. Like my only question. I just don't know. You know, people talking about him being a sleeper by definition, he has to be a sleeper because he's not on a board that I would consider right now where I want to draft a tight end. Yeah. So, I can't say uh, Blake Jarwin is just draftable at this point. I, he's yeah. definitely not on my board. Well, there's nobody else to compete. And realistically, yeah, you know, for what we'll talk about Cobb, I'm sure jokingly here coming up, but Cobb's gone. There is no number three. I mean, I can't, you can't name anybody. There's I, don't, there. I cannot name a third receiver on the Dallas Cowboys right now. So I'm interested to see, and more importantly, probably with the Cowboys in general, I think we kind of miss some of the big story because you care about the people, but what is Mike McCarthy going to do different? I, I happen to be one of the people, you know, looking at the tea leaves and, you know, smoking the hookah that he took a year off and he hung out at NFL Network or wherever the hell he hung out, pro sports, and just watched film and, like, had a digestive you know, internal change and really was able to get himself out of his own way. So I'm interested to see what that offense looks like, if they're going to keep – you know, I know they're keeping Kellen as the OC, but how much is going to change, how much McCarthy's influence, because I think McCarthy got in a rut riding Aaron Rodgers, which, you know, I don't blame him, but it – went too far and sometimes he, he he lost any sort of creativity i think he's rejuvenated i think there's a big chance this offense could be very different the team could be very different because jason garrett's not there thank god so <laughs> no doubt about know, that it, they, they you know I, I, i'm not looking for cowboys success but i think they can be successful so absolutely i i think they have uh, assets and you know top flight players at each position uh i think you know the 
Zeke is a top five running back. Dak is probably a, a top 12 quarterback. Amari is a top 12 wide receiver. I mean, you have weapons all over the field. They certainly can be explosive. And I think this is going to offense that is going to put up some big fantasy points uh, as the 2020 season rolls coming up. Uh, moving on to the uh, New York Giants, uh, year two of Daniel Jones. Uh, I'm, I'm very high on Daniel Jones. I was high on him last year. I uh, thought he should have got the start at the beginning of the season, but Eli played and Eli failed. And in come Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones had some ups and downs, but uh, overall he had some big games and then he had some games where he kind of disappeared. Uh, and maybe that was because of the Giants and the, the lack of players they had around Daniel Jones. You know, Sterling Shepard was injured. Golden Tate was injured. Evan Ingram was injured. Saquon Barkley was injured. They had their offensive line issues. Daniel Jones was really by himself, uh, you know, for parts of the season where there were no players around him or no uh, no fantasy assets around him. So, you know, they've been pretty quiet in free agency. I definitely think they need to address the offensive line. Uh, this is probably a team that's a can to draft a wide receiver uh, in the draft. Um, and I'm talking about Jerry Judy. Uh, he is a number one receiver, and that's what the Giants need. They absolutely need a true number one. The Odell trade didn't make any sense unless you were trying to tank, only because whatever Odell was or wasn't, he's a true number one, made Sterling Shepard a top number two, and Evan Ingram a top tight end. I saw where they're looking – to possibly trade Evan Ingram into the season, which to me is crazy. So, but you know, we just watched Bill O'Brien do something. That would be so, a total New York Giants move. That would be the. I mean, you know, they get rid of anything with talent other than Saquon. So we're gonna see. And as far as Daniel Jones goes, you know, you said he looked really good, and then he disappeared. Well, that's what a rookie quarterback is supposed to look like when they can't move like Kyler Murray. Uh, mo- mobile quarterbacks can give this false perception that they are better than they are. Now they can get out of injury. So maybe, they, I mean, get out of uh, emergencies, get out of tackles. So maybe they are better because of that. But when you are a true pocket passer with some mobility, you know, Joe Burrow is going to have a similar situation. Probably, you know, two, if he's not healthy, he's going to have a similar situation because those guys are not Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, where you could put them in. Maybe they don't know the playbook, but they kind of turn into, you know, Steven Willie Beeman because all of a sudden he can make a play, even though he can't call it. So who knows what's actually going on behind the scenes. But, you know, like you said, everybody was hurt and Golden Tate was suspended. And, you know, Gettleman's talking about analytics and computer guys. So who actually can blame Daniel Jones for not being successful? So you hope for whatever Jason Garrett is or isn't, he is a good coddler. And a lot of those Giants players really need like a hard pat on the butt and a hug and whatever else they need up there in New York. But they can't be worse. So I don't know if they're going to be better, but if they're healthy, they have to be. They, they have enough talent and a bad enough defense. Well, they've been actually making a bunch of defensive moves. So we're going to see. It's uh, It'll be interesting. The NFC East always is just such a shit show. And this is your spoiler warning. This has adult language. So please, mute your content going forward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Giants do have, you know, a lot of young talent on offense. Uh, I really do think they're going to target a wide receiver in, in the draft. Like I said, I think Jerry Judy would fit that offense perfectly. And, you know, maybe you're right. Uh, you know, Jason Garrett come in to be the OC. Uh, maybe, you know, some of these players uh, do probably need a little pat on the butt, a little hug, tell them it's going to be okay. And, you know, hopefully they'll be able to step up and then produce some, some fantasy offense and some fantasy numbers for uh, the fantasy community out there. Uh, you know, going into an offense that I'm really not uh, keen on is the Washington Redskins. Um I'm not a big Dwayne Haskins fans. They brought back Adrian Peterson for another year. Uh, you have Darius Geis, who, man, he's got talent, but he has had some injury problems in the first two years of his career. Uh, I mean, it, it's just, what are they adding on offense? Uh, Jordan Reed is, is gone. Uh, is Vernon Davis going to step up? I mean, he's about 38 years old by now. Um they have a lot of questions on offense. I'm, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Dan Snyder is, is being Dan Snyder. Uh, but they did hire Ron Rivera, and Ron Rivera comes in from uh, Carolina. Uh, things kind of got stale, but he was very successful. I always thought he was a great coach. Uh, he didn't get the name Riverboat Ron for nothing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I had a major twitch when you said uh, Jordan Reed because he's like my heroine. I, just, I can't help it. I just keep going back to the well. So I'm glad he's gone. Chris Thompson's gone which I'm pretty sure that's all the catches that happened other than Terry McLaurin. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm not a Haskins guy. I was on the fence on uh, Daniel Jones. I think he looks much more 
capable than Haskins does. Yeah, just because of game presence and just demeanor and just everything. He just looked confused. Now, hopefully, you know, Rivera can help him with that. A running game would help him with that. A defense would help him back. Not playing at that stadium may help him too. But there's a lot of things. What makes me nervous is Terry McLaurin was doing awesome, and then Haskins took over. And you're like, oh. And then McLaurin just like nosedive, then he got hurt. And can he support anything? I, I really just – I don't know. But there's so many questions about the Redskins. I don't think anybody expects them to be good. You know, outside of Terry McLaurin, you're going to roll the dice on Geis, no rhyme intended. But you, you can't own AP. You know, those people that look for a running back in the seventh, eighth round, they're like, oh, there's Adrian Peterson. Let's get him. Like, freaking why? Like, those guys are like waiver wire guys. They're true number two running backs that, in the sense that they're the number two on their team. They're number five. Like, that is a five-point fill, and you pray he scores a touchdown. It's just – there's – there's, it's, it's gross. It's It might be my least favorite team in the league. I, I'm going to benchmark this one. I'm sure I'll have like three more least favorites by the time we're done. But right now, like I want nothing to do with them other than McLaurin. I'm not even sure I want anything to do with McLaurin, to be honest with you. I, I just think... love him. I, I picked him up in a league and I rode him until he died. But at that point, I was healthy in my other positions. But it's uh, I the talent's there. I'll, I'll go with talent. And on a bad team, I want the number one wide receiver. Yeah, he will certainly get force-fed the ball. We're certainly at that. Uh, going over to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, wow, okay, yeah. I mean, you got Zach Ertz. You've got Dallas Goddard. Uh, you lose Jordan Howard, but Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders, I think, is ready to step up. I thought Boston Scott played really well uh, late in the season. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Darren Sproles. Uh, then, you know, you look at their receiving core, and my goodness, it's it's bad. Uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was really non-existent last year, uh, constantly dropping the ball. Deshaun Jackson was hurt. You ended up signing Jordan Matthews, who really just didn't do anything. Uh, obviously, they're looking for receivers. I would heard they made some big offers to Emmanuel Sanders and a couple other players, but uh, nobody's really taking them up on their offer. you, you got Carson Wentz, uh, who loves to throw the deep ball, but you really don't have a deep threat there. Yeah, it's, it's difficult because Sanders would be the type of person, like type of player I would want on a team that needed a receiver, but not on this team. There's nothing but old veteran receivers. Like, Emmanuel Sanders would be the young one, except for Whiteside, which, you know, he just wasn't ready. Maybe he's maybe he gets there, maybe he doesn't. Alshon, who I don't know, apparently I have, like, a, just a tender spot in my heart for, he's just a glorified tight end out there. Like, he'll give you some PPR points if he can make the game, which is definitely not a guarantee ever. So, uh, I, I'm really interested. I'm a big Wentz guy. I am a Wentz believer. I have been. So, I'm going to ride this ship until his little ginger knees break. But uh, hopefully Sanders is the one that steps up, eats up a lot of that volume. They really just – between Ertz and Goddard, Sanders, maybe they can – I mean, if if somehow Alshon could be a number two receiver, it would be amazing. I don't know if they can get that guy. Like, again, going back to Robbie Anderson, only because there's so many – there's so few wide receiver quality free agents. Put him out there. Give him a deep threat opposite of Alshon. And whomever fills in for Alshon when he's hurt, like then I think you have an offense. I think you really are only one piece away for Ertz. I mean, not Ertz, uh, Carson to be really, really productive. The tight ends are going to vulture each other, but you got to own them both because they're the right now the best two receivers on the team. Uh, no doubt about that. I mean, they're both young. Zach Ertz, uh, yeah, to me, he's always an injury away from uh, being out for the season or being out for you know six to eight weeks. And I think Dallas Scotter can easily step up in his in his place and be that tight end one that we all know he can be. He's big. He's physical. He's going into year three of that offense. I know Carson Wentz has a good rapport with him, so I think they could definitely uh, he could definitely turn into something. And you know, going back to Alshon Jeffrey, Alshon is always injured. He's never been one of my favorite receivers. Uh, I never targeted him when he was in Chicago, and I still don't target him today just because of that reason. You know, he, he's always injured, and you know he's going to go down. And who are they going to replace him with? You know, they, they need a receiver. They'll probably address the receiver in the draft. Could it be a Justin Jefferson? Uh, could it be someone like a T. Higgins who, who's got that, you know, wide receiver one potential? You know, he's 6'4". He's got a big frame. 
you know, when I was watching uh, the national championship game against LSU in that in that second quarter, you know, he, he caught that pass over the middle and, and went went up for the uh, touchdown and you know bulldozed through one of the LSU safeties. I mean, he's got that physicality, and he really made me made my eyes pop when I saw that. I think he'd be a good fit in this Philadelphia offense. No, absolutely. I I, I think that that's a perfect. Um just plug and play type of guy. I think there's a lot, a lot of pro receivers in this draft. And I think last year proved, I think last year for me was like the, the real turning point where everybody, your rookie running backs were always ready. You could put them in and you could draft a rookie running back and feel good about it. Well, and wide receivers needed the year three, you needed the year three breakout. Well, last year in the last few years, rookie wide receivers have really just been able to step in, perform, play as have the running backs. But the problem is the running backs are all going into committees. So I think that there's a great opportunity for a lot of different receivers to perform. And I think that's a perfect fit. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, drafts only about a month away. Uh, hopefully it, it takes place with the coronavirus going on, but you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, moving on to the NFC North, the green Bay Packers uh, out goes Jimmy Graham. Uh, you re-sign Alex Lazard. Uh, you've got Devontae Adams there, who is just a beast, in my opinion. He's a top five wide receiver of PPR. Uh, you know, you've got uh, at running back back there. Um, he's I'm drawing a blank right now. Help me out, Vincent. Aaron, Aaron Jones. That's right, Aaron Jones. And then uh, you got is it uh, Joe Williams back there? Jamal. Jamal Williams. Well, I'm losing my mind tonight. Um, you know, both of them are talented. Aaron Jones, especially, had a you know huge year, year last year. He was RB one going through the season. He was solid. He was scoring touchdowns. He was having big games, and then he did Aaron Jones thing sometimes, and he kind of disappeared in the playoffs, and he cost a lot of people some championships. Uh, looking at Devontae Adams, you know he's super strong. You got Aaron Rodgers out there. Uh, you know, again, you know, out goes uh, you know. Uh, Jimmy Graham and it's is a Jay Sternberger time. Uh, Jay Sternberger was extremely good, talented, uh, tight end over at Texas A&M. Uh, you know, he was injured a lot, but you know, he did uh, in the playoffs score a touchdown for the Packers. And now it's time for him to step up and let's see what he's made of. Yeah, it's the Packers are uh, very New Orleans in my opinion because they don't have that true number two. You know, and Rodgers has always been good about feeding the number one. And when he has talent, he can support more. Is Lazard that guy? I think Lazard's safe. I don't know if he's – I don't want to say he's not fantasy relevant, but I'm not going to feel comfortable week one having him in as my flex. Uh, Aaron Jones, you hope they give him the ball much more than Jamal Williams. If that's the problem. As the season went, they started giving it to him more and more and more. He proved it to the coaching staff, but I think it's going to go back to – you know, the same way they did with Gurley, same way they did with Derrick Henry early in the year. I don't know if the volume is going to be there, you know, because they want these guys fresh for when it matters because they're trying to win games. We're trying to win fantasy championships. Uh, I think a true number two receiver, if Sternberger can come in, that'd be great. I think losing Jimmy is losing nothing other than some comfort for Aaron Rodgers. Um, my, my question, my concern, where do you feel Aaron Rodgers sits? Aaron Rodgers, man, uh, I'm just not sure. You know, he's he's always been drafted as that top five quarterback. And last year, you know, he didn't really put out those numbers. You know, he had a couple injuries. Uh, I'm just not really sure where he fits in. Uh, this offense looks a lot more conservative than it did under Mike McCarthy. Uh, it's a lot more feed uh, feed Aaron Jones. Uh, Devontae Adams was injured last year. Uh, I'm not, I'm just not sure. I, I don't think I'm drafting. Uh, I don't think I'm drafting Aaron Rodgers in the, in the top seven rounds i just don't think i don't i don't think he's worth it yeah, i think no, there's no. there's so many better options and, and quarterback is just constantly so deep in fantasy over the years and it's going to be even deeper this year well and it's it's proven that you never want to be the first to take quarterback you'll probably get the fifth or sixth best, court, best quarterback but for the equity that you lost in the other positions it's not worth it and if you want to find the number one it's not going to be lamar jackson next year he's amazing He's probably not going to be number one because it's just so hard to repeat. The film's out. They're going to catch up with him. Now, is he going to be top five? Probably absolutely. But I don't. is he going to walk away with the number one? You know, Mahomes got hurt this year. Yeah, So it could happen to anybody. Um, the biggest concern I have with Rodgers is what you said. Devontae Adams got hurt. I do not want a part of a quarterback who's – I don't want a part of a receiver. Or a I mean, it, it's tough 
receivers, if your quarterback gets hurt, they're going to lose value immediately, almost all the time, unless you're Michael Thomas. But <laughs> if you're Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers goes down, you're done. Like, and if Aaron Rodgers goes down, I mean, if Devontae Adams goes down, it killed Aaron Rodgers. Like, they're so symbiotic. They need each other so much because they are everything. Because even though Aaron Jones, you hope he can take one 70 on a screen, but odds are it's going to be Devontae Adams supporting Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, he has a turf toe. Aaron's not getting younger. I'm not saying don't draft them. I love them both. Uh, I, Devontae Adams is arguably now the top wide, wide receiver in fantasy. Like, you can easily make that. Last year I was a Hopkins guy. We'll get to Hop, but – I'm right now because I want the number one receiver on bad teams. Now, this is a good team. It's a conservative team, but Aaron's going to force Devontae the ball. You know he's the red zone target. Jimmy's gone now. So it, everything's aligned for him to have a big year, but you hope that they cut it open a little bit. But there's no reason to think that because that is not what LaFleur wants to do. That's not the offense. They had success not doing that. So why are they going to all of a sudden go wide open? Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, they had a lot of success running the football. To me, honestly, I thought they were the worst uh, good team I saw last year. And and they kind of proved that in the playoffs. And then LaFleur said he wants to get a third running back. Like, why why, why do you hate us? Like, what did fantasy do to you, Matt? Like, he lost. He drafted Tiki Barber when I did, and he didn't get back into it, and he became a successful coach. And he hates running backs, so he wants as many as he can. Like, (laughs) he is a fantasy killer. And I might stay away from Green Bay because of it. I'm going to miss out on points, but I just don't know where the big hit's going to be. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I know they're looking at uh, – I know they were talking about uh, – looking at Robbie Anderson, talking about Emmanuel Sanders. But uh, you're right. That's just not a, an offense I'm not sure I want to be a part of outside of Devontae Adams. Um, it, they are explosive at times, but at times, you know, you've got the injury-prone players like Aaron Rodgers, Adams, Jones is uh, taking time, has a little bit of injury. So we'll see what happens, you know. Going in, you know, you talk about Jimmy Graham heading over to the division rival of Chicago Bears. Bears yesterday make a big move, uh, trade a couple draft picks over to the Jaguars for Nick Foles. Uh, Nick Foles has never been a quarterback that has just kind of popped for me. Uh, I always thought he was kind of overrated. You know, he spent time with the Eagles, with the Rams, with the Chiefs, back with the Eagles. And, you know, he got on a little magical run there with the Eagles, Uh, you know, won a Super Bowl, but. Then, you know, Carson Wentz comes back. He kind of s- spends some time uh, splitting some time with Wentz. He goes to Jacksonville and fails miserably after he signs a monster contract. Uh, I'm just not sure what the Bears are doing here. To me, this seems like a desperate ploy uh, to say I screwed up on Mitchell Trubisky. And you talk about uh, an offense that, you know, has some weapons with David Montgomery, uh, Tariq Cohen. And then you talk about Allen Robinson, who to me – if Allen Robinson ever had a good quarterback, he would be a wide receiver one. And I, I don't think Nick Foles is it. Uh, I, I think Chicago is going to struggle again this year to move the football. Um, and they just uh, – sometimes they just get a little, little ahead of themselves. They get a little too fancy. And sometimes you just need to get the ball to David Montgomery and, and throw the ball to Allen Robinson. <laughs> Matt Nagy is arguably the worst play caller in the league, especially for somebody – that is an offensive genius in so many circles. Like he does stupid things and then defends the stupid things stupidly. Like watching a post game press conference for the bears is painful because I know we needed to run the ball more. Why don't you, th- do you think I don't like, well then why don't you run the ball more? Like, like set your offense up. Like he'll run a trick play to set up a trick play. It, it just, it doesn't make sense. Like just, just run the professional offense, like do your job. And as far as Foles goes, the good thing about Foles, the best thing about his land spot is Foles loves tight ends. And the Bears have seven or eight on their roster right now. So (laughs) Foles is landing in the perfect spot for him because he will force feed some tight ends the ball. Now, conveniently enough, that was Zach Ertz and, you know, Goddard. But, you know, nobody talks about that. Like, oh, Foles loves the tight end. Well, look who it's thrown to. Well, now he has eight options, one of which is Jimmy Graham. So, you know, we're going to see what happens there. Allen Robinson can be a number one receiver with a bad quarterback. Uh, not Blaine Gabbert. Blake Bortles, obviously. Al, that's the only reason Allen Robinson got paid is because it's garbage time. So, I think he's much better than he's ever been given credit for. And I agree with you, though. And seriously, if they had a 
much more capable and consistent quarterback. The, the inconsistency is the only thing you can describe Trubisky as. I mean, he has the arm talent and he has the the feet, but he's just he's looking. He runs one way and throws the other. It just it, he's all over the place. It's a it's a disorganized system with a lot of pieces that I just I, I, who knows where they're coming from. Like Allen Robinson's an okay number two receiver. If you want to draft somebody, I'm a big Montgomery guy. I got sucked in the hype. I watched the first game of the year, like could not understand why they would not hand him the football. It just doesn't make sense what they do. I don't think that's going to change. A la Mike McCarthy. He had to get away to realize, hopefully, where he was flawed. Nagy is way too far in the forest to see the trees. It's just it's 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 a it's a borderline fantasy wasteland because you don't know there's so many pieces who's going to score it. Let's just be honest. Matt Nagy is probably coaching for his job this season, and I don't think Nick Foles is is going to save his job. Um, nothing short of him uh, having no, nothing short of Nick Foles having a career year is probably going to save Matt Nagy's job. Uh, you know, he was just he was just too cute. You know, he, he took Trubisky when everyone thought it was a, a highly questionable pick. And it certainly turned out to be, you know, Trubisky was one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks in fantasy football last year. And I don't think Foles is going to be much better. Uh, you know, he might have a better completion percentage. But uh, in the end of the day, I, I think Matt Nagy is coaching for his job. And again, uh, uh, at at the end of the season, I think Matt Nagy will be looking for a new job. Yeah, the only uh, comment go- I can say for that is if Foles has his career year, Matt Nagy will still have a job because it's one of the best years ever. So, but we're going to see. Chip Kelly's not, you know, Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly miracle is not going to happen again. So, yeah, I, I don't see a Chip Kelly uh, year happening. I, I do remember that year because I had Foles on one of my teams and it, it was great. Uh, you know, he, he took me to a fancy, uh, fancy title. Uh, but, you know, that was then. This is now. This is Matt Nagy. This is a different offense. You're in Chicago. You're not in Philadelphia. So we'll see what happens. And vote uh, for Pedro. You know, <laughs> uh, look, looking, on, looking ahead to the Detroit Lions, uh, you, you sign uh, backup quarterback Chase Daniel after Ch- Jeff Driscoll leaves. The GOAT, uh, Chase Daniel. It, is this is this the last hoorah for Matt Stafford with, you know, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones? Uh, you know, you've got some talent there with Carryon Johnson if he can stay healthy. Uh, Bo Scarborough kind of emerged last season on Thanksgiving uh, when uh, Carryon Johnson went down and Ty Johnson didn't do what he was supposed to do. Uh, and Bo Scarborough kind of emerged. I, I think you'll have a kind of a RBBC here with Carryon and Bo Scarborough. But again, it really comes down to Matt Stafford's health and I'm just not sure uh, Matt Stafford can stay upright and on his feet and healthy enough to really make an, a fancy impact for, for some of those players like Galladay and Marvin Jones. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Who knows? You mean having eight fused vertebrae together is not good for a quarterback? I don't think it's good. No, I don't think so either. Uh, I do think Stafford can support Galladay. I think he can make Jones okay. I think Carrion lost his opportunity to be – the running back. I think Patricia's seen enough. He went against the Patriot way. He wanted one true running back. And now we're going to get just a lesser New England mess. Carry on's the most talented. They talked about bringing a running back in too. So it's just, it's, it's, it's not going to be touchable. Um, I was a big Marvin Jones guy after the injury last year. I can't go back to that. Well, you know, I thought that that was the year, the balance year where Galladay would draw the number one guy, the attention, Jones should have been able to thrive. Jones got banged up. Galladay is going to be the one. He's the most talented. He's the deep threat. He's the big guy. He's a possession guy. He's everything. He's what you want to number one. I'm in Galladay. And who is your boy at tight end that uh, cost Emily $50 in fab after uh, week one? That would be I'm trying I'm drawing a blank. Oh man. Uh, it's probably because you know he was a he was a one a one hit one or right. one trick pony for I can't even think of his name. That's that's uh, that's how that's what I'm know. drawing a blank I ended, up, at. I ended up never owning him either. Can he but it's tough for Mark Andrews is such an exception for the rookie tight end because tight end is such a physical position for a younger body, a younger guy, and to learn the blocking and the receiving, so many dimensional information dimensional and scheme situations that you have to be aware of and you can't mess up because you get the quarterback killed. And you can get the quarterback picked off. So it's tough. Hollister. 
nope, wrong, wrong team. I'm gonna come. Hawkinson. No, Hawkinson plays for Seattle, but that's that's okay. Yeah. Uh, no, obviously. Hawkinson. Yeah, Hawkinson. Yes, TJ Hawkinson. So if he can make a little bit of a bump, I think he's a receiving talent. I don't think he's gonna be a blocking guy. I think Stafford is just where he is in his career. But the difference is, I don't think Stafford has lost velocity. He's lost mobility. So I think he still can send it deep. And if they can run what Patricia wants to run, bringing all these New England linebackers, all these New England DBs, all these, you know, car wash guys, can they build just a consistent model? The NFC North is just going to be boring, boring to watch because it's just going to be old school bludgeoning football and with one wide receiver. Like when you look at every team, that's where you're at. No doubt about it. And you're right. And, you know, it seems like every team we've really talked about tonight is looking for receiver help. And does that just mean, you know, how deep the wide receiver pool is in this year's draft? I mean, there is a lot of talent in this year's draft for wide receiver. Um, You know, you could go on for days. I'm sure there's several players who have first round grades up to six or seven players, you know, and that gets us to the Minnesota Vikings, you know, out, out goes Stefan Diggs. Speaking of one receiver. (laughs) Yeah. Adam Thielen by himself again. Uh, you know, uh, Stefan Diggs moves out over to Buffalo. He was unhappy. Uh, he had a decent season. Again, he was up and down. Uh, but yeah, I think he has wide receiver one talent. Uh, we'll see what happens when he, do- what happens when he does in Buffalo. Uh, Adam Thielen's got to stay healthy. You know, you got Kirk Cousins who resigns for two more years. I think the number was $62 million or $61 million, which is, to me, is far too much for Kirk Cousins. Only $50 uh, million too much. Only fifty million too much. Yeah, you're right about that. To me, he's just a game manager. Uh, you know, you've got Dal Cook back there, who, who's great. And you have Kyle Rudolph. You have Irv Smith coming into his second season. Uh, you know, this is an offense. Once again, you know, as we hit on multiple times tonight, is looking for a receiver, and I don't think they're addressing it in free agency. It sounds like they're going to address it in the draft. I yeah, I don't think they care. I I don't think I think they want to have fewer wide receivers. So they have more excuse to feed Dalvin cook and Alexander Madison and just run it and run it and toss one out to Thielen. I'm worried about Thielen. I think Thielen is very good. I think Stefan Diggs helped him and he helped Diggs. I don't think there was a way to put a true number one corner on one or the other, but if you were going to put a guy that could cover speed, you're going to put it on Diggs, which gave Thielen an advantage every week. Now, he did see number one corner some weeks, and he did win, but they weren't able to double. Well, now if you double Thielen, which you may not have to, depending on who your corner is, what, who are you going to throw it to? Because Kyle Rudolph is Jason Witten, you know, at this point in his career. Like, he's Jason Witten two years ago. In the booth, maybe. But it's, it's it, there's not an option. Irv Smith, that's fine if he's the number one tight end in past, you know, receiving. But that's not – that's not where I want to like invest fantasy dollars. Now I don't want to invest in cousins anyways. So it's probably all a moot point. You're going to draft Thielen. You're going to draft Dalvin cook. You're probably not touching a tight end to midway through the season. There's no rod receiver at the moment that I feel comfortable throwing a dart at, and you're going to handcuff it with Madison, or you're going to be like me and you're going to carry him on your bench all year and hope for the Dalvin cook injury that didn't come. So, you know, he's due this year. <laughs> that's a lot to be banking on an injury, man. And, and to be honest with you, I, I'm not really high on Thielen either. I, I think Thielen's going to take a step back this year. Um, he's certainly uh, not really on my radar as a wide receiver one or wide receiver two. Uh, I am extremely high on Dalvin Cook as long as he stays healthy. He is certainly a top three running back. Um, but, again, it, it just comes down to health with the, with the Minnesota Vikings. Can Adam Thielen stay healthy? Can Dalvin Cook stay healthy? Uh, will they address wide receiver in the draft? Uh, it's certainly a need for them. So we'll see what happens with them. So uh, moving over to so rank the, rank the division. So we're gonna take uh we're gonna take uh Devontae Adams out. You have Robbie, Galladay, Thielen. Who you and like? what are we ranking? Them them three. You got one receiver in each team with a quarterback that may or not, may not be able to get them the ball. Who are you taking first? I would probably take Allen Robinson. Kenny Galladay and Adam Thielen. And wow, A-Rod. really? I think so. Oh man, I might go the exact opposite. I like A Rod just because Thielen, Thielen 
has to get forced the ball. Thielen might get Michael Thomas treatment, in my opinion. Like, he may be – like, Thielen is the only one who's been – he's been the only number one wide receiver the last few years. Golly's been a two. A. Al Robbins has been a two. But Thielen's been the guy. Now, like I said, all my arguments against him, is that going to hold up? But, you know, to me, you know, you look at very similar situations when they're wide receiver. All these teams want to run the ball. All these teams have talented running backs. The Lions have a lot of running backs. I don't – you know, carry on is not as good as the other two. Um, or Aaron Jones. So it's it's the it's like they're all just copycatting each other and it's just so painful to watch. I can't wait to go to the NFC West. It really is. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tough division to watch. And uh, you know, Adam Thielen and the other question I have on him is can he stay upright? Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, he was he had some injuries last year and he really, really disappeared. Uh, for the bulk of the season last year uh, due to his injuries. So we'll see what happens with them. Uh, moving on to the NFC West, uh, a little bit more exciting here. You know, starting off with the San Francisco 49ers, your NFC champions, uh, you know, a team that had the Kansas City Chiefs on the rope in the Super Bowl but just could not get it done. And now you lose Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, you know, is Debo Samuel ready to take that next up? He certainly looked electric uh, last season towards the end in the playoffs. Uh, you know, also looking at, you know, what to do about this backfield. Now Jarek McKinnon comes back. You have Raheem Mostert. You have Matt Brieta. You have Tevin Coleman. Now you have Jarek McKinnon. To be honest, I don't want any part of this of this running back core. I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Uh, Mostert certainly stepped up, you know, in the playoffs. But, you know, we've all seen that happen before where the running back has a big playoff season and then, you know, he gets pumped up all fantasy season, off season, and then he gets drafted high and then he busts. And I think Mostert's got busts written all over him. But, you know, you have George Kittle over there who's, you know, obviously a top – top two tight end in the league and he's certainly got oogles and oogles of talent so uh, i think san francisco ready to you know to continue again to contend for the nfc championship i, I certainly think uh they are the team to beat in the nfc west yeah it'll be interesting uh i don't i don't see jimmy g you know leading a fantasy team anywhere which is fine uh debo is the most likely candidate uh, you know they got a handful of young guys that you know, could perform and could fill in. And I disagree. I want all in on the San Francisco running back situation in like week eight. And I, I'm all <laughs> in because a couple of them be dead. Somebody may be cut. And I want the last guy standing because he's going to give you points. And it's just when you pull your waiver or are you lucky enough to guess? Because there's no way to speculate because I don't think the coaches care. I think they're going to go literally with a hot hand. And there's no way to guess that. I think Brita is one of the most undervalued running backs in the league. I think if he just had the load, he could perform. Although in the same breath, he's also questionable with an ankle injury before I even said this. So it's hard <laughs> to make that argument. I'm like, hey, he's awesome. Just stop being hurt. So it's difficult. I feel terrible for McKinnon. I hope McKinnon plays well in preseason there's injuries somewhere and they're able to move him somewhere where he can perform. Cause I think his time there, theoretically it's over, but you know, Kyle Shanahan obviously just doesn't give a shit. He's going to run out running backs and his scheme performs. I mean, you got Colonel mustard, Brita, the janitor McKinnon on one leg, <laughs> everybody's just putting up numbers every week. So it's not about who you draft. San Francisco's running game is the waiver wire that week put your fab on it because that may win you a week. If that's important, if you need a spot, that's where you go. Kittle's amazing. I think receivers are going to have to set up Debo's the, you know, number one, but what, you know, going into last year, was it, you know, before Sanders got traded, was it Goodwin or was it uh Dante Pettis? Dante Pettis was, you know, the, the darling of fantasy. And, and both of them were awful. Right. Dante Pettis, you know, like, walked on coach's lawn or something like it just got it got weird and they just hated him so i don't i don't know i just if debo has a bad offseason it doesn't matter because they don't need that to win they need a lot of running backs kittle and a lot of fast guys and that's def- what they have so it's tough to again like i said i'd like a number one on a bad team better than a number one out of three options especially if they're not going to be the number one, because regardless, even if you have the number one receiver on San Francisco, it's 
Kittle's the number one, and then the running game is 1A or it's one. There, there's no – you know, throwing to a wide receiver is the third option, and then you get the number one option or the third option. Like, it's, it's difficult for me to swallow comfortably. Now, there is a value for them. There's a spot for them, and I'm sure whenever the smoke settles, we can look into where that sweet spot is. But I'm not a, I'm not a Debo's taking you to the promised land guy. Yeah, that, that's okay. Um, I do know someone who's going to take you to the promise line. That's George Kittle. George Kittle will, will once again be a top three tight end in, in fantasy football this year. Uh, he'll certainly be, uh, you know, the first optional in that passing team and that passing offense. Uh, you know, he was great last year, and I expect him to be great again. Uh, you know, moving on to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, again, uh, another team uh, still looking for a wide receiver. Does Pete Carroll care about Russell Wilson? Do you want to get him any help? Uh, Tyler Lockett is good. You know, Chris Carson coming off an injury. Rashad Penny coming off an injury. Uh, do you gonna, are you going to help Russell Wilson stay up? Are you, you going to give him some offensive line help? Uh, Russell Wilson has been running for his life in the past three seasons. And, you know, you got Tyler Lockett there. Uh, and you've got another a bunch of injury-prone guys at receiver like David Moore. Uh, you have injury-prone guys at tight end like Jacob Hollister. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll didn't has Jordan to address Reed this offense. There? Didn't Jordan Reed end up there? Uh, maybe so. I'm not sure. Oh, I, he, I, like I said, my heroin junkie. He just moved across the country. I just got to go <laughs> find my dealer. Um, yeah, I, there's two reasons not to feel sorry for Russell Wilson. One – who he's married to and two (laughs) he protects himself like if you want to feel sorry for russell wilson he should take a sack every now and again the fact that he is a wizard he's amazing he's probably a hall of famer his abilities give pete carroll another opportunity to put another piece of gum in it it, he doesn't care because he doesn't care about russell wilson because he's like ah russell has it no we don't need a left tackle this play put another receiver in no put another running back in even better and he'll pop another, you know, piece of bubble gum and keep moving on. So it's Russell Wilson's fault because he's so damn good. Does Rashad Penny take the next step this season? I think Rashad Penny is not going to. I think Rashad Penny is one of those guys that if like one break goes a different way, like if just one little thing in his life changes, like maybe if you'd have got the right order at McDonald's before like practice one day. He could take that step, but he just – every time you expect it, he goes two steps backwards, and he creeps up a little bit, and he goes backwards again. It's just I don't think he's going to get there. I'm not a believer, and Carroll's proven it with Matt Flynn. He's proven it with Chris Carson. He's going to put Russell Wilson over Flynn regardless of the money and figure it out later. He's going to put Chris Carson over in regardless of the draft value of Penny because he's better. So I don't see Penny taking that step. I think they would go to a more committee – because Chris Carson almost fumbled his way out of that job, but even then Carroll stayed with him. So I, to me, this is the premier landing spot for Gurley, not for maybe the fantasy numbers, because I think Atlanta's the best spot, but I think he gets to play in the division. He stays on the West Coast. He goes in that offense with Russell Wilson, and Pete Carroll won't run him into the ground and keep him fresh, and you pair him with either with Carson or Penny, depending on who can come back from their injury – because they were both dead at the end of the season. Let's not forget. They brought back beast mode to fill out roster spots. So, you know, they have a need at running back. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure this is an offense I really want part of. You know, seeing Russell Wilson constantly running for his life. Uh, you know, Tyler Lockett had, you know, some really good, uh, good games last season. Uh, but I'm just not sure, you know, the uncertainty of running back situation really bothers me. Uh, you know, the uncertainty to wide receiver too, you're constantly having injuries at tight end. I'm just not sure outside of Russell Wilson, uh, if this is really an offense that I want a part of, but looking at the last two teams that we have left for tonight, you know, these are more exciting teams that I kind of wanted to, to explore and wait and see for the last, last minutes of this podcast. And when we're looking at the Los Angeles Rams, you know, they've done a few things uh, you know, tonight over the, over the free agency. You've re-signed Andrew Whitworth, who I think is a, a top premier left tackle. Now Gurley is cut. You, you cut him today, and that leaves you Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. I, I would one I would have to assume Daryl Henderson is, is going to probably be the, the 1A in that role. 
uh, you know, you're shopping Brandon Cooks, who you paid a whole lot of money to, and he's on his third team, and now you're looking for your fourth team, and you're not even 25 years old yet. Uh, there's something wrong there with Brandon Cooks. He's just not someone uh, I, I look to invest to in from a fantasy perspective. Now, on the other hand, uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are definitely two players that I, I would uh, I enjoy investing in. I, I own Cooper Cup last year, and he definitely put up some big numbers. You know, uh, first t- first eight weeks of the season, he was a top flight wide receiver one, and then he kind of kind of disappeared uh, for the, the remainder of the season. He was you know kind of putting up wide receiver three and two numbers, but generally speaking, he just uh, he he just kind of fell off last year. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you're excited because I'm not sure where to go with it. I, this, to me, you know, McVay's a genius. McVay's a genius. Well, McVay really did it in his first year. Tapes out and tapes out on golf. And whoever they have at running back is not what Todd Gurley was. And a lot of that offense ran because Gurley was good and Gurley was healthy. Um, so I'm really concerned. I'm not I, – I'm completely in on what, what you said about Cooks. Cooks burned me last year. Now he completely fell into my lap, so I'd far from reach for him. But uh, he honestly, he's the type of guy, if he goes back to New Orleans, not that we would trade for him, but if he ended up back in New Orleans, he's a perfect fit. You know, he's that type of guy where now he's a veteran. He's got the speed to go over the top. You know, kind of how John Brown is right now in his career. is You know, he's they've been around the block. They've been on a couple teams, more for Cooks. Put Cooks in Philadelphia – or put Cooks back at the Saints, I think that he could put up numbers, but more importantly, he could affect the offense and let other people put up numbers. Um, I'm all in on Woods. I'm all in on uh, Cup. I'm really big on Higby. Higby bailed me out in a good way last year. Um, Tyler Higby was solid. He he, just, he really came on strong yeah. last year, and I definitely think he's going to be drafted uh, as a tight end one this year. I think he's going to be drafted as a tight end one, and I think he's going to be drafted way too high. I probably will not get any Tyler Higby because of where I think people are going to go. Because I think there's a huge tight end premium, at least in the leagues that we play in, where people really, really go get them. And I don't necessarily say it's wrong, but there's a spot where it's too rich for my blood. And I think Higby is going to fall into that role. Now, if he doesn't and he falls in the right spot, I'm all in on Higby. Because especially if they if they move – Cooks, you got to think Gurley's gone, Cooks is gone. They're looking at, you know, seven yards in a cloud of dust situation. Like they're PPR junkies at that point because there's not really anybody that's stretching the field. Yeah, no doubt about that. I, I think I think the Rams are, are going to be a team that that NFL from an NFL standpoint, they're going to take another step back this year. I think Jared Goff kind of showed some flaws. I think the tape is out on him. Uh, you know, and now you lose Gurley. You know, Brandon <laughs> Cooks is kind of on his on his way out. It looks like, uh, you know, Robert Woods and Jer- and uh, Cooper Cup are there. Um, is D- can Daryl Henderson step up? Uh, Andrew Withworth is another year older. Um, you know, we'll see. Is is the Sean McVay magic only good for one season? Uh, you know, he's got a lot to prove in my opinion well, this season. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, and listen to this: they don't have a first round pick in 2020, 2021. And this year, just names alone, regardless of where they're at in their career, they're losing Gurley, Fowler, Roby Coleman, Littleton, Brockers, and Cutton Clay Matthews. But they extend 38-year-old Andrew Whitworth, who debated retiring last season. So I'm not saying Whitworth's not worth it. I'm not trying to insinuate that. However, think of the names they lost, but the money where they put it. It's it's. I I hope they can coach. And is Wade Phillips coming back? I'm not sure. Is he? I I thought I heard he was done. Well, uh, I mean, if that, if that is the case, you know, then they've got a lot more questions than answers. That's for sure. Uh, you know, they certainly have a lot of holes to fill. Uh, and it doesn't sound like they have a whole lot of draft picks to do it. Um, but moving on to our last team and who probably made the most exciting trade over the past week, and that's the Arizona Cardinals. Ever. Uh, you trade uh, often injured David Johnson – and uh, a high, a mid mid round draft pick to the Houston Texans for DeAndre Hopkins, who's 27 years old and a ham. He's in his prime. He's a top five wide receiver year in and year out. You get another weapon for Kyler Murray. Uh, Kenyon Drake is going to be back under the transition tag. Uh, you know he had a dynamite season after he came over from Miami. 
Uh, you have Chase Edmonds behind him, who when David Johnson went down, filled in miraculously, had some huge games, had some RB1-type games. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald's another year older. You also have Christian Kirk there on the outside. I mean, this is definitely a high-flying offense that I want to be a part of. No, I I, I definitely want a piece of it. I want a piece of Drake. I want a share of Kyler at the right price. I am not as high on the Hopkins move. I, football-wise, it's incredible. But that offense last year, which I would assume that they're going to tweak because of now the talent that they have fluctuated. But they don't force feed a guy the ball. Hopkins was getting 30 to 34% of the share the last few years. There's no way he gets that there. Not with that offense, not with five wide receivers on the field. It's just, you know, you go four wide with a running back. He's not getting the ball every other play. Now, should he? Maybe. But they're going to spread it out. Maybe it makes him more effective. But he was so damn efficient before. I just, I don't think it's a bump for Hopkins. I hope it's a lateral move at best. It's a better offense to be in. But I would be shocked if he really put up better numbers than what he was doing there because Watson and him had a connection. And he would force him the ball, and he no, would no always come about back. it. No doubt you know, about what do you it. Like one drops in a whole year. It's just – I'm concerned. I think Christian Kirk's even going to take further step. And they keep on sharing the Larry Fitzgerald. I think Fitz is a great uh, – Fitz is their tight end. And it is what it is. Where he's at in his career, it's he's going to be – very football relevant because he has to be accounted for. I don't know if you can start him in fantasy or anybody else outside of Christian Kirk or Hopkins because there's so many receivers and they're so crazy. They might draft another one. Like that's the way they think. So I just, I I, I don't know what it's going to do fantasy wise. I'm interested to see where the draft results happen. I'm really in on uh, Drake. I definitely want to hand. I'm not, Try not to handcuff my guys. I try to go to other people's handcuffs, but I may handcuff Drake with Edmonds because of everything you just said. Um, and Kyler, I think, is going to be in that tight end, I mean, uh, QB1 range. Yeah, man, definitely. Uh, I, you know, you, you never know what the Arizona Cardinals are going to do. You're right. It would not surprise me if they try to take another wide receiver in, in the first or second round. I mean, the, the pool is so deep. Uh, but you know who knows what they did, what they're going to do. Um, I am high on Kyler Murray. I think Kenyon Drake is, is going to have another good season as long as he can stay upright. And you're right, uh, Larry Fitzgerald is probably their tight end. He does have to be accounted for. Um, I, I think at best, you know, he's probably looking at you know 50 to 60 receptions. He's definitely going to take a step back. And I, I, you're right, I'm just not sure he's going to be startable uh, over any point in this season, unless there's a big injury, uh, that happens to one of the receivers or maybe Kenyon Drake goes down. So, so who knows what happens? Uh, but you know, uh, that's all we got all the time we have for tonight. Um, and I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to listen. Uh, if you have a chance, give us a follow on Twitter at fantasy pandemic, and, uh, we'll be back with you guys next week where we'll be previewing the, the AFC and the moves and transitions and, uh, what they those teams have decided to do, and we'll we'll get a little take a look at them. Uh, so everybody, thanks for listening. Y'all have a good night.